Welcome to Five More Minutes Podcast. Oh my goodness. Has anyone else noticed that this month is lasting forever? I saw um, a funny meme today on my friend Patty Parker's Facebook. She said, um, you know that, you know that poem? I'll find it. Hold on. Okay, here's the poem. The poem is, 30 days has September, April, June, and November. When short February is done, all the rest have 31, except for January, which has 274. (laughs) I almost died when I saw it. It was so funny because I don't know about you, but this month has absolutely, like, it just feels never ending. Um, But um, here we go. It is almost February and then it's almost March. And that means that spring break is coming, which is going to be really good. This month is going to be a big month for me because um, we are moving. So um, I know I mentioned in a previous podcast that Jessica and I bought a house on Bowen Island. So we have make, we have made the official decision. We are moving March 1st. So that is going to make the next uh, few weeks quite, quite busy. Good thing I have an incredible wife who is really good at packing boxes while I travel. Because this week is, um, I'm, I'm going, going south. Uh, not to the nice south, to the south that a big snowstorm is coming. So everyone cross your fingers because um, tomorrow I am leaving and heading to Cleveland, Ohio for two days and then heading to Wisconsin for two days and then New Jersey for two days. And I know that a blizzard is a Bruin in the Chicago area. And if you know anything about Chicago, uh, the airport there is um, very stressful. So send good vibes to me in my travels um, because there'll be people waiting for me to arrive in those lovely, lovely places. So um, yeah, that's winter. Um, The other part that's really funny is I think that this might be the first podcast that we've actually figured out the mics officially. Um, I Over the Christmas holiday when I was in New Jersey, I was talking to my cousin Paul and I'm like, you know, one of these mics like it sounds really clear but then the other one sounds so far away and I don't really know so I was trying to like fix that by using a second mic but it wasn't such as it wasn't as good quality so uh Paul he sets it up he's like Shelly um this mic is on backwards <laughs> I'm like what? what are you talking about and sure enough um I had <laughs> I had installed the mic in correctly and so um up until you know today I have been using that mic backwards the entire time so another shout out thank you Paul for saving the day again so you'll find that um all the conversations today are very very clear because we have figured out the mics yeah um so that is yeah so that's where we are it's December or it's January um our our interview today is with Alex Magnuson who you're gonna learn a lot about but Um, We also, today, I was also in charge of babysitting the dogs. So, Finley and Ruth make an appearance in this podcast a couple of times, and a couple of times we had to cut the podcast because they wanted to take over the interview, Um, so I apologize for the puppy frenzy that is happening um, during this interview. I hope it is not too distracting. Okay, so today's podcast, this podcast is the second connected to this month's theme of Inclusion 2.0. So the video was released the first month, uh, the first week of January, and then I interviewed Faye Brownlee for a podcast, and uh, really good feedback on that. Thanks, everybody. Uh, she's phenomenal, isn't she? 
And then the video strategy for this month was the class profile or the class review. And now is the final wrap up um, conversation with Alex. So Alex, um, I, I immediately thought of because in Inclusion 2.0, the themes really that we're trying to uncover here in connection to inclusion is um, the conversation around diversity and identity. And um, if you saw Inclusion 2.0, the video um, image that it shows is a bubble with a whole bunch of different colored dots. And and when I looked at that the first time, I was just like, wow, you know, this this mythical green student or green person is really, you know, is really a myth. And um, I think because if you think about a double, like a bubble filled with multicolored dots, like that really is our world. And all of us have these pieces of, of who we are that creates this identity that who we are. And so when I think of that rainbow bubble, I'm, I think about our identity. And whenever I think about identity, I think of Alex because Alex is um, this incredible person. I met him when I was doing my TED Talk in January 2016. And he was up right before me on stage and um so i met him and he just like lit up the room he's got the most incredible smile um he what is he he, so he lives with autism um and he does speeches about his experiences and he talks about what it's like to have autism and he does mention that a few times in the podcast but he does it in a way that kind of translates his perspective to non-autistic people but in a way that really maintains both his integrity and others. And so I really respect that because I know that there's a lot of attempts to kind of translate people with disabilities and sometimes it doesn't always work um, or is misrepresented. So I really appreciate Alex for that because um, he talks about this um, in the in the interview of just about the importance of not just speaking for yourself, but speaking for others um, when um, when they can't. And, and so I really appreciate that, that about him. Um, so go take a look at his TED talk. I tweeted it today and I posted it on Instagram today and I posted it on Facebook today. So go take a look at that because, um, you know, within five minutes you will see why he is so loved by me. Okay, good morning. Here we are with my friend Alex. Alex, you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. So um, I'm very excited to have Alex on my podcast. Um, I've known you for how many years now? Three? Four? Well, since 2016. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, he... has made his way here from Surrey, which yep. if you know anything about BC is so far away. Well, well technically about White Rock, so an hour, hour and a yeah, half Yeah, it is so far away. It so is. he took, he did the big hike to get here. And so I'm very, so thank you for joining me on my podcast today, Oh, no Alex. problem. My pleasure. Um, so I think, you know, I could go on and on about you, but I'm actually, I want the the world to hear from you. Like, what, who are you? Well, I'm Alexander. I'm 30. I, um, who am I? I don't know. I'm just a guy that um, is living life with autism and trying to make it, you know, as typical as possible for me and as typical for other people to to realize that people with autism, we're just typical people that have a lot of quirks and some have more quirks than others and um, we just live in life. I love your quirks. Thank you. They're my favorite. Can I tell the world about my favorite one of your quirks? Of course. So the first time I met Alex, we were doing our TED Talks together. So you went on right before me. Yeah. And Maria LaRose was organizing the event. Yeah. And she came up to me and she's like, Shelly, Alex is before you. 
and here's the thing. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know he's going to spin when he gets on the stage. Yep. And I was like, good for him. And sure enough, that's exactly that's what you what did. did. It that's was amazing. Sorry, just a little pause for barking dogs. So, um, yeah, so the TED Talk was incredible. And what was it? You turn left when you I get on the stage? I right to turn right to turn left. I love that. And then you, and then you touch the T yes. on the TED Talk. Right. Anyways, and I was just like. You know, what I, you know why I what? did that? Why? It's so then it wouldn't look as weird if I was doing it for no reason. So I, or I look at something oh and goodness. go, and then I turn right, and then I, so in front of people, because people totally are like they sense. they make all sorts of comments. I you know, just, just I like, love that about you because you know because my slogan this year is you do you. Yeah. And cool. part of the reason why I want you on podcast is because you like embody that. You do you, Alex, all the time, I and try, you're yeah. and you're making it you're making it work for you. And I think that uh, it, I love I love seeing your success. Thank you. So which kind of leads me to my next question. Which is, you know, as an adult, as a 30-year-old, I see you. Yeah. And I see you as an individual that has tons of strengths and abilities. And so what, what are some of the things that, that, you, that, that you are really good at? What am I really good at? I'm very good at advocating for others. Yes. I'm, I'm very strong at that. Advocating for myself, often not so much. That's, that's so hard but for everybody. It's so hard, you know, you know. Uh, talking about myself, I find very difficult, but um, I find talking about others I could do forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, other people's strength, I'm able to see so mm. many other people's strengths. It's hard to see my own, but I do think um, that I'm a good public speaker. I I um, I've made a career out of that, and you know, still continuing doing that. But I I, I have a new job at CLBC, so yeah. um, it's um, not at the front burner it's more on the back burner yeah yeah um like you said i'm really good at being me um i am you know i there are things about me that you know are quirky and stuff but um i really i just i just kind of do me and yeah. i i look i want to be an example so if somebody else wears big earmuffs you know i used <laughs> to wear big earmuffs totally. and it was you know it was fine yeah you know i'd walk around and you know some people would make comments and stuff but you know there was this one time this little kid with autism was plugging his ears and um and he uh he said that uh you know he he didn't know what they were for when and um you know of course kids with autism are the greatest and you know he just asked and i was like oh well you know what these are for you know having um these are for having you know if you're sensitive to sound which i see that you are and he's like oh i would like these and his mom was like oh you know and and he's like, you know, I want to be like Alex and have those. And, you awesome. know, so yeah. it's nice to be able to be weird, but still be OK, because younger kids, younger kids, um, you know, they look up to you and they need somebody to look up to mm -hmm. that is equally as weird, if not more weird. Yeah, totally. Well, and for them to see that it's OK. And it's it's fine. It's OK weird to have that totally support. fine. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not hurting yourself or others, you know, yeah. be you. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. It's almost like as long as you can like not be oppressive mm -hmm. let's let's yeah. just be ourselves yeah. um and so i guess like you know i've heard some of your stories growing up and, and you know i'll ask you about those in a second but i, I feel like there was a, a shift for you that really like was a moment when you kind of realized that you had these strengths and could utilize these strengths and so i'm wondering like what helped you see that you could harness your abilities to like Make it in the world and be successful. Oh, it, was, it, it took a really long time. Um, 
it took a really long time because um, it's just when you're told, you know, when you're a child and stuff you, that you can't do this and you can't do that or, you know, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that, you know, even if it's stimming, even if it's yeah. um, turning, turning right to turn left. Um, or what have you, mm-hmm. you know, so your your confidence, because a lot of the things you do is, you know, technically weird and stuff like that. So people yeah. get, you know, really hung up about that. So, you know, your confidence goes, well, maybe I'm just too weird to do this or I don't have the ability to do it. I shouldn't do it. Um, where it really was a lot of learning for me because I knew me. And I thought that everyone was like me, mm-hmm. so I would, I would be like, "Well, why can't you do what I do? And why can't why don't you do what I don't do? And right, all that right. stuff." Yeah. So it was really um, when I was around twenty five, um, I uh, I would ask um, people all around me, but like why, like typical people, I would go, "Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And why are you doing that? And why why don't you do this? And why don't you do that?" And yeah. they're like, "Oh, well, because I don't have autism." So it was really interesting. Because people are so interested in people with autism, and I've I've often said that we are just as confused about you as <laughs> we are, or, or you are about yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that is so true. Because I have no idea what it's like to be typical. I've yeah. never, I've never not had autism. Right, right. <laughs> so it, autism to me is quite typical, quite normal. Totally. Where, you know, having autism for somebody else because if they don't have it is often you know, weird and strange and mm-hmm, they don't know what it mm-hmm. feels like. And there's like a hundred books about, you know, what it's like to have autism and, you know, learn about autism. But I, I haven't found one <laughs> that is like how to be a typical non-autistic person, <laughs> you know? So I'm just like, hmm. I feel like that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> I, sh- I think so. That's amazing. Yeah, that is so, so true. Just, and I'm I think like, that, hmm. um, I don't know if, you know, what that reminds me of is, um, I think it was a couple months ago, there was a play at UBC, it was called King Arthur, and it was written and produced by an individual with Down syndrome. Oh wow! Yeah, incredible, really incredible. Um, I have a secret. Um, I, have, I have a secret goal. I guess it's not so secret anymore. I want to get. I want to get this this guy on my podcast. But yeah, yeah. what I found was amazing, and you know, I see a lot of. Um, like the media out there, like even shows like Born This Way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. these shows that are, you know you know, showing examples of people with disabilities, but in all of the examples they're showing, they're basically translating the disabled world for people who don't have disabilities, right? I, yeah, and in, in, in then then it's the, you know, it's the, are they doing a good job about that? Well, and then... that's the thing. Well, and that's the thing. And what I got from this King Arthur play was that they didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, like um, this play was about this individual in the world... And, and his interpretation of King Arthur, and it wasn't translated. Okay. And so a lot of people that I went to, they were just like, I don't get it. And I'm right. like, I think that's the point. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's not meant to be translated into the non-disabled world because that's exactly what we do to them all the time, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I really want to get him on the podcast because I think that that whole concept of let's look at Alex and try and make sense out of Alex for people who aren't Alex as yeah. opposed to let's look at people who aren't Alex and make them make sense to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, we're trying to make the people without disabilities like, or people with disabilities conform to people without. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where it's, you know, you, like, for me, you know, and watching other people with disabilities and stuff, you know, it's, 
it's I love the individuality, but I think there's something to be said about being typical. Yeah. Being typical is is almost like a rite of passage in the sense where you are blended in. Yeah. And where I think there's a really can be a beautiful mix of typical and non-typical and um strange and non-strange you know i think it can be um marinated together a lot more so then the strange isn't so strange and the normal isn't so normal you know where there's a balance between that and um i um yeah because i want to you know my goal is to be as typical as possible in the sense with still my you know autistic flair um showing but not um I don't want it to be able to hinder me. I just right. want it to be able to enhance my world. Right, right, right. Okay, so this is actually a nice segue to my next question, which is you saw... So this podcast is connected to my YouTube channel, yes. which is really connected to the video Inclusion 2.0. Mm-hmm. And so you saw both of the videos, both the Evolution of Inclusion and Inclusion 2.0. And so if yes. you think about that first video with the dots, yeah, yeah. how did that connect to your life growing up? Oh, well, that was the evolution of um, the whole thing was basically my life for forever, you know, like Mm. in stages of my life, there was, you know, all four stages, I believe was four stages. Um, You know, there was segregation, there was um, integration, there was, there's, you know, I now have a lot of inclusion, which is really great. Yeah. But, um, you know, depending on the situation is depending on where it i am on the spectrum of um inclusion and i find that it changes um from place to place and Mm -hmm. like growing up um in elementary school i was uh, very much in the um either the segregated or the integrated um where i would be off to the side and you know the the special kids would be off to the side and we, we would learn you know what we were learning and then the rest of them you know, we, we would watch, you know, I know I would watch just kind of like, oh, who's, what are they doing? What are they, yeah. what are they doing that I'm not doing? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it wasn't any more interesting, but it was that mystery that was so interesting. You know, they, you know, obviously they were doing work and we were too. Um, but it was, it was definitely something that I was missing being still in the same classroom. And then when I was um, still in elementary school, they would, um, there would be, um, you know, a separate classroom and stuff that we would go to one-on-one, which I really didn't like because the whole time I was just like, well, what is everyone else doing? Yeah. What is everyone else doing? It's like that FOMO slogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just like, you know, and, you know, the truth be told, they're not doing anything more than what they were doing when I was looking at them. But it was the, it was that mystery of mm-hmm. what what are they doing? Yeah. So Which isn't itself distracting. It very distracting. Yeah, so yeah, I really yeah. didn't learn anything. Right, right. You know, um, where I was, you know, supposed to learn, you know, math and writing and, you know, reading and stuff like that. But I didn't learn really any of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't still since until um, MSN came out that I really learned how and oh, wanted to learn yeah, how yeah. to read and write and type. Yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, and then, yeah, in... Um, oh, Finley has something to say. He's adding. <laughs> Thank you, Finley. You know, it's so funny because MSN or, you know, what we could now say is... Facebook. Facebook or yep. Twitter and all Twitter, the things yep. is really being a motivator for a lot of kids oh, to yeah. communicate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember if... Um, I remember um, when texting first came... When, well, when I first was yeah. introduced to texting, I was so interested in it. And it's, yeah. you know, a lot of people say that it's, um, you know, very isolating for people, but... 
for people on the spectrum, you know, it's it's a way to not have to look to look at someone yes. and still be able to communicate just as effectively. Absolutely. I'm so annoying. <laughs> um, our puppies are attacking both of us during this podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, okay, so the second video kind of shifts away from that whole idea. And I think what you're, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about, like, what does this even typical mean? And, like, to me, typical is the green, mm-hmm. right? This idea, this assumption that there's these green people walking around everywhere, yes, you know? Yeah. And then there's these people who are different. Right. And, and so part of the idea of inclusion is is just starting to acknowledge that what is typical you know what i mean like what does that even mean it's so interesting because the more the more i you know learn about the quote-unquote typical world is is the more that i that i know that it's it's not that black and white or in this case green yeah yeah it's uh you know you got people that are quote unquote typical that have very you know had very traumatic lives that mm-hmm. you know mold them into the who they are and if you really get into that they you know somebody could have severe anxiety you know somebody could be severely depressed suicidal all of these things mm-hmm. where it's you know quote unquote not typical but everybody is struggling with something something you everyone know? has a story yeah everybody has a really interesting story so i think that just because, you know, mine is diagnosed and mine is, you know, out there for people to see doesn't mean that the person, you know, you, mm-hmm. anyone else mm-hmm. is not struggling with something and have um, not quite a disability, I mm-hmm. wouldn't say, because not everyone has a, a disability of sorts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but everybody has something. Everyone has a story mm-hmm. that molds them and everybody should be different colors i think because mm-hmm. everyone is like you, you you even twins you know yeah. like i would say that they're even you know they have very obviously very similar and stuff like that but you know if one had a traumatic event and one didn't mm-hmm. that then they're different oh you know? for sure so yeah and experiences experiences and how they make good up who bad they are. or whatever you know totally. will mold that person yeah yeah that's really interesting and i think you know if I think about my life in the world, the people who I'm interacting with, like the world is not homogenous. The world is not the same. You right. know what I mean? So right. if we look at the conditions of school being attempting to mimic the conditions of life that we have to negotiate, it makes sense that the diversity of of, of the world would reflect in our classrooms, which just isn't isn't necessarily no, the case. No, it's not the case, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. The, the school is very much, you, can, you need to learn this, and if you don't, you fail. Right, you, right, right. And when you get out of school, I know, like, for me, I've, you know, I was always told that, you know, you're not going to have a calculator everywhere right, you go. Right, Well, joke's on them. <laughs> we, all have, we all have phones that have Right in our pocket. On, right yeah, in our totally. pockets. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think if your kid, you know, if your kid can, can type, can read, can, you know, do basic math, learn how to learn to use a calculator... Yeah. I think that they're winning in life. Totally. They can get they can get by. They totally can. They can get a job. Yeah. They can, you know, communicate with others, you know, whether they're verbally verbal or not, mm-hmm. you know, being able to com- being able to communicate through typing, through um a communication app. Yeah. You know, that is that is a success for life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that that's a basis. Yeah. And then whatever else is just gravy. This is bonus. Totally. So, totally. So if you think, because I mean, 
you know, some of the stories that you share. And I encourage you all to watch um, Alex's TED Talk for sure, because it's one of my faves. Um, And but if you think about kind of if you go back to the moment in your childhood that you probably I mean, the question I'm thinking is like, if you could go back to the moment in your childhood that you struggled, if you can think of a moment, like whenever I I think think of of that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I always think of grade seven. Grade seven for me Mm. was like grade nine for me. Grade nine. Yeah. So thinking about grade nine if you could go back and have a pep talk with yourself in grade nine what would you say to them Hmm. oh that would be interesting well i would say that you know use your words and um because i wasn't the most communicative yeah um i certainly wasn't talking about feelings or you know i could never (laughs) you know i you know get my point across but it was nothing much else yeah um but I would say, you know, use your power of voice, mm-hmm. use the power of language to one, make yourself better and two, to make other people better as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, advocate for your friends around you that you see that yeah. is the injustice of, you know, special education. Yeah. You know, use the power of language to educate people on on yourself. And also, I would say, you know, you're going to turn out okay you know you're really you're really going to be okay and here you know you're going to you're going to struggle but the power of language is something that you will have forever and you should use forever yeah so now i want you to think about your best year your best year grade 11 grade 11 okay so what happened that year that was different and made it made it the best well, um, I had an EA that year, which was really nice. And she really, she was, she was around, um, uh, she went to, you know, was in the same school as me in grade seven to grade, to yeah. grade 12, really. Mm-hmm. So she saw what I was doing and she saw, you know, the potential in me. And mm-hmm. she saw that if I had some extra help that was very individualized to yeah. me, mm-hmm. you know, what's the worst that could happen, you know, yeah, where yeah. I was a hard person, you know, I was, you know. Uh, my meltdowns were big and extravagant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, my communication skills were not there. Uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, kind of typical, you know, um, for people. And um, but it was that, OK, what is going on in this situation that is making him behave in this way, good mm-hmm. or bad? Mm-hmm. And then this way, good or bad. What if, what can we do to change that? So it was. Um, I had a lot of energy. I still have a lot of energy. I do yeah. about twenty to thirty thousand steps on my Fitbit every Good day. Good for you. <laughs> um, so you know what does what does Alex need to do to be able to be calm in his own body? Yeah. Uh, and that was run the track. You know, right. I would run the track and I would get time, so she knew that I would come back to her. Right. And if she knew if I was gone, <laughs> I was gone forever. Right. You know, and individualizing it for somebody doesn't have to do be extravagant Mm -hmm. just little changes little things more breaks Mm -hmm. um less sitting i don't know yeah yeah you know all that kind of stuff yeah to really um help somebody be able to concentrate and grow as a person yeah and so if you were to kind of look back at your schooling kind of career altogether what do you think like what do you wish would have happened that didn't if it was individualized i know that i would have been better academically yeah and um and i know that i would have gotten more out of school and 
people would have been able to see my potential right. where my right. potential at that back then was very low it was yeah. all right let's get him so he doesn't throw a desk today right you know right. so it was you know it was that was the you know that would have been a goal right yeah, so yeah. where now it's like no you know um um, learning about real life and bills to pay and yeah, you know yeah. all this typical stuff that <laughs> all the things you know adulthood is going to smash you in the face whether you like it or not whether you're ready or for not it's coming you know? it's coming totally. you're gonna be an adult so to to um and it's for every kid you know teach them how to be an adult teach mm-hmm. them what to do bills to pay you need to look for a job you need mm-hmm. to keep a job you need to dress for a job you need mm-hmm. to you know um nowadays people you gotta watch out what's on social media totally you know people your bosses will check it well alex i will tell you that you know there's one thing for sure that i've learned from you and i think you know part of this inclusion 2.0 idea is you know rather than trying to make everyone the same let's find out our colors like how you know what who who are we and how do we learn from each other? And so when I think of you, I remember that time. Remember we went on Davy Street and we had we had coffee. Yeah. And I remember you looked at me and you're like, Shelly, I have a story to tell. You mm-hmm. know. And I was just like, Oh, it's so true. Because if there's anything that I've kind of learned from you, is you're so colorful. Thank you know you. what I mean? There's so many pieces of you that create this identity of who you are. And and I find you know you have found success. Um, in a way that isn't dulling those colors, mm. you know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, and, and whenever people ask me about, you know, success stories, I, th- I think about you because I think wow, that thank you. you have this, this, these strong identities that make you who you are and you found a way to harness that. And yeah, you got to use what you got. You got to you know? use what you got. You, and you, that's all you have, you yeah. know, and, you know, if you fight the system and be like, no, I don't want this and I don't, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I could say, you know, I don't want to have autism and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, it's like, okay, how do I use my autism yeah. for good for me yeah. and good for others? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people with autism don't speak with words, yeah. you know, verbally. So it's like, okay, what do I need to do to help yeah. not only my life better, but their life better? You know, so it's, um, you know, and I'm, I made a career out of it and, I, yeah. and I've done very well on it and I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's. It gives me status in the community. Yeah. It gives me um, confidence. It gives me um, purpose in yeah. life and yeah. in community. And, I, and people can know that if they want to know something about their kids or themselves, you know, I've yeah. had people ask about, well, what does this mean? You yeah. know, do you think I have autism or yeah. what does this mean? Do you think that um, my kid has autism or, yeah, yeah. you know, or my kid has autism and they're struggling this way? What do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, all that. So it's. Being a voice for people, not only for myself yeah. and stuff, is is just fantastic. And 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 you know something you said that stuck out to me is that you you know you find out what you have and and you know you go with it. Yep. You know, and you yep. find out how you can help yourself and help others. And yep. I think if there was if there was one thing that I would wish for everyone in not just education but the world to see about people who are different is. You know, rather than focusing on what makes them different, being like, okay, what can we find in there that we can help people to help themselves and Absolutely. help others, right? Absolutely. And I think that for myself too, I think is is my story as well. Like it wasn't until I realized that not only that I had some strengths, but that I had contributions that really helped me to find my path. And so that is something that 
I definitely want the world to know about you, Alex. Is Thank you. is you know I tell people the goal is not to be green. The goal is to be brighter and to learn from each other's colors. I think of you every time I say that because you are one of the brightest people I know. Thank um, you. So, is there any final thoughts you want to say to the world? Advice for people? Just be you. Yeah. And if that is weird and different, <laughs> you know, be you. And, yes. You know, don't worry about you know what other people think is you know you know. They might be weird and too, and you know, suppressing it and holding it in. Yeah. But if they can see that, oh, you're weird too. Okay, I can be, you know, my true, authentic yeah. self as yeah. well. You know, it's it will it will it'll help others, and then it you know it's that pay it forward. You know. Yeah. That you be nice, and then it pays forward, and then yeah. you, person be nice and helpful and. You know, so this one is kind of like you be different and I'll be different. Totally. We can be different together. Right. That's perfect. Well, thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. So I'm very lucky today because Alex has decided to join me for our question of the day. So thank you, Alex. You're most welcome. Because I think he actually has a really good opinion on this. Um, and I think that this, uh, well, you experienced this. So I think yeah. you're a better person to answer this than me. So oh, thank you. here is the email. Hi, Shelly. To refresh your memory, I was the parent with a 13-year-old son who's considered a low incident designation due his seizure disorder and significant cognitive delays. We discussed how he was in a program with other similar kids and how I felt that this was actually a perfect fit for him. Given It has given him a great environment where he could focus on things that were pertinent to him, like life skills and appropriate level of academics suitable to his abilities. The environment also gave him a sense of belonging and community as he really feels he fits in with his peer group in this setting. The school has been great by also having other typical kids come into the classroom on different occasions. I had mentioned how the situation looks like the segregation model on your slide, but actually is in fact seems to be a model that works best for my son and his friends. You pointed out that there was another term for it when used in the right context and situation, and I'm hoping you can refresh my memory. So um, congregation is the term. I was relieved that you had agreed with me that for some kids like my son, the program that he is currently in could be a good option. I feel like if run the right way and set up um, to be inclusive in their own way, they can be an option too. Unfortunately, the school district is in the process of phasing out this program as they move closer to a full inclusion model. And although I'm sure this move is an attempt at modernization and progressing to better acceptance of kids with special needs and all kids, I feel this move will lead to... to the isolation model for some children as we've experienced in the past with our son. I was wondering if you had a perspective or opinion on the closing of these programs. That's a big question. Well, I definitely have an answer to that. Okay, tell me what you think, Alex. Uh, Well, first of all, I think for people um, with disabilities, you know, we are a part of a natural community that will always be a part of lifelong. And I think that the fact that your son likes that model and Mm -hmm. is comfortable with that model Mm -hmm. and is thriving on that model, I think it's fantastic. I know that I've been a part of that model, good models of it and bad models of it. And um, there, I think is, um, I don't think that it should be taken away in the sense of, you know, because a lot you're taking away kids community Mm -hmm. where you have to if you're going to do that you have to replace that Mm -hmm. by including them and you know because they're friends they've been friends you know they've you know probably i guess been together for years and years and years so you know to take them away from each other is like taking your friendship away and it's Mm -hmm. like moving to them to a new school 
You wouldn't yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you wouldn't want to do that in this if, if you can avoid that. I would say that um, that having, that, sorry, taking away the community, again, it's taking away their friends, taking away their, you know, confidence in school mm-hmm. and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that the fact that he wants to be in it mm-hmm. and thriving in it, mm-hmm. I think you, you've already answered your own question why, you know, in the sense of it is a good idea. Yeah. Um, for some kids, I know, they don't want to, you know, be in in the life skills classroom or whatever mm-hmm. the classroom is called, um, which is fine. You know, then they want to find a new community. That's fine. Yeah. But I think to take it away without replacing with, it without replacing yeah. it with with an equal community is wrong. Yeah, and I think that this is a perfect example of how misunderstood inclusion be yes. is sometimes because I think that sometimes my, someone might look at that scenario and be like, "Well, that's not inclusive," but. That's right. I don't think that that's necessarily not inclusive. I think it's the criteria that that's makes right. it not inclusive. And exactly. so Alex and I were kind of talking about, you know, if if kids are sent to these programs without choice, you know, and uh, without any other options and not being a part of the decisions by someone else, that's, that's absolutely right. segregation. That's but, right. you know, if, if a parent and, and a child themselves are communicating that they want to be there and this is who they are. I, I don't think that that's not inclusive, right? That's right. I just that's think right. that a and lot... Of, go ahead. Um, like, if I can say my story in grade 12, yeah. um, in grade 11, um, I was very included in my community, which was the disability community. Mm-hmm. And I was very loved and respected and accepted with everyone and everyone, you know, it was all good. And then grade 12, they were like, okay, well, let's put him in normal classes or, and, you know, see what he does. So they put me in a normal um, English class and boom, from one year being my grade 11 year being the best year I've ever had Mm -hmm. to, okay, well, he's great now. Let's, he's, I was in a normal class with kids, my own, with kids my own age, which was, you know, but they had no idea who I was. I've never been in classes with them before in my whole grade, in my whole 12 years of being in their school. Yeah. And it was it was very isolating. And what I just ended up doing is I just ended up walking home because right. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. The teacher didn't understand why I was there. Yeah. I, I had no EA support. I, it was absolutely just dropped in the yeah. middle of nowhere, like yeah. a brand new school, mm-hmm. a part of the school that I've ever never actually been to. Right, right. You know, so it was literally like being at a different school, yeah. and it was it was so isolating for me. And one of the things that they were instructed to do was if I went to the life skills room to not let me in. Mm. Um, and which was terrible because it was like I would go back and walk, you know, walk to the the, um, the classroom and, you know, all my friends would be like, oh, hey, you're back, you know, mm-hmm. and the teachers would have to escort me out. And, you know, right. eventually I just was like, well, I'm not getting escorted out back to that classroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go home. So my grade 12 year was me walking home. Right. And I think that's a really good example, too, whereas the situation you were put in, I think, was less inclusive than your actual life skills room because there's this misunderstanding that inclusion is just place. Yes. You know what I mean? Just put them in the classroom. And they're fine. Yeah. And And it was not that way And I like what and I just, I really like what you said about that replacement of community. Yes. And how, you know, like, and, and I think there's a big debate about 
you know, well, should we have a life skills program or should we have like an inclusive classroom program? And, and I, I think don't, for some kids, you, I think you need both. I, and that's exactly you know? it. Like, I don't think it has to be one or the no, other. And no. I think it actually is about a balance. And, yeah. and you talked about how, you know, you have a community within the disability community yeah. and with the non-disability community. Yeah. And, you know, equally as strong yeah. and equally as valued in yeah. my life. And um, I think that... Uh, it is really important to, if a kid feels like they're in a community, whether it's, you know, the gay community, mm -hmm. the, you know, the artsy guys, the jocks, yeah, the, you yeah. know, whatever their community is, is to not take away from their community because yeah. it, it's hard to get a community. So once you have one and to, it to be taken away from others' well-meaning, mm -hmm. you know, actions. Yeah is is that it can be and often is detrimental to that child and it's almost like it's not really and i've had this conversation many many times and you start to realize that it's not actually the place yeah. that makes something inclusive it's the criteria of yeah. the place that makes it inclusive like and who decides yeah who decides yeah where kids go um and what happens when they're there yeah right and and i think that the ratio between those two things could be totally different for every kid agreed but i also think that just because kids are with their like community members doesn't mean it's not inclusive that's right but i think that for a lot of people we don't see disability as identity that's right and, and i think that that's really problematic much, it's it, it it's very much you know my identity is as much as i'm a typical guy as yeah I'm a guy with autism, Yeah, you know, and, you know, to fight that and people have their own fights and within themselves. I know I did about, oh, I have autism. Oh my goodness. This is so bad. Yeah. But if other people are going, oh, he has autism. This is so bad. He doesn't have, he, you know, he can't, he's got to be forced into some other community. You know, that's not acceptance of me or mm -hmm. acceptance of myself because people preach, you know, accept yourself, accept yourself. But yeah. if you don't accept them as this is their community, whether it's the disability community or another community, yeah. um, it's, again, if you say you can't be in this community, it means you can't be you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we could look at that how like we would never do that to people within a culture group. No, we would never, never. do that with people within a race group, never. you know. And, and so I think like imagine your scenario where your culture is yeah. in a room yeah. and you've been taken out of it and then you try and go back and you're they, not allowed yeah. like that would never happen. Never. And I think that it's it's because we don't see disability as an identity. And I no. think especially in education, we still see it as a deficit, which yeah. which is what's problematic here. Yeah. And I think in part of these conversations around inclusion you know it involves space and room and time absolutely yeah, yeah. but it's more about finding room for everyone to have those communities and that sense of identity agreed you know well i think that's a really good i think that's a really good kind of response to that um if you are listening out there i know that that, that this has is is a really um hot topic right now but uh, it's important to know that, you know, I would never advocate to close down programs um, because I think often those are the programs where things are actually working. You yeah. know, if anything, I have a dream that we don't need them anymore yeah. because um, everyone's just in the same. Community. Everyone just feels safe and feels like they have belonging everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I also think that all of us need communities of identity. Absolutely. You know, everyone and so it's figuring out the balance of both. And yeah. You know, how can we be inclusive within diverse communities yeah. and how can we be inclusive within 
communities of identity. And neither of those, though, are groups of deficit. And that's where I think the problem is, because in schools, we don't organize kids by identities. We organize them by lack of things. You know, all the kids who can't read, go over here. All the kids who can't communicate, go over here. All the kids who can't speak English, go over here. And that's totally different than all the people of an identity come together. And when a community is thriving and stuff, you'll Mm -hmm. see people in the community thriving Mm -hmm. and being better and then the people that are a bit ahead can help the people that are behind and yeah. the behind can, yeah. you know, all of that. And it's just the community yeah. of, you know, friendship and acceptance of everybody. Yeah. And I think, you know, within the communities that I'm in, like, I'll never forget, you know, in my life when I was 19, the first person I met who was gay. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense of, like you say, like acceptance that I had yeah. never felt before. Yeah. And I can't ignore that. And yeah. And at the same time... You know, I think the success that I have found in my own path is because I've been a part of diverse communities. And so I think what it has really taught me, this whole kind of journey that I'm on, um, is how much we all need both and how we can facilitate both of those communities in all of our schools. Yes. Alex, thank you so much. Thank you. I told you, right? He is amazing. I just love him. He's such a great... um, perspective on the world and um, I'm really really proud of him he is working now for um, CLBC and it's just community living British Columbia and you know uh, just is so independent and so able and capable and I think that um, you know without losing who he is he's managed to navigate both the the disabled and the non-disabled world which I think takes courage and um, and strength so kudos to you Alex um, so I'm reflecting on our on our conversation, and I really took five big takeaways from my conversation with Alex. Uh, the first one, I have to n- acknowledge that he, without even noticing, aligns with my you do you mantra. Um, and I have to tell you, I was in Oliver this week, and um, one of my colleagues, Jennifer, she brought me this sweatshirt made by her friend named Mare and it says on it you do you because she listened to the podcast last week and I'm just like it's like my first podcast swag so I was pretty excited about that but you know I think Alex just totally embodies that and you know and and to be yourself and you do you and especially if you're weird because I love the story that he told you know if people if people see another person being weird and strange it kind of gives them permission to also be weird and strange and you know that that qualifier of as long as you're not harming yourself or others like be yourself and you know and for all of you listening who don't think you're weird or strange like really reach inside like harness that inner weirdness because it's very freeing um and it's a little bit like the spice of life and the twist of life in a lot of ways uh one thing that i really appreciate about my wife is that um, she's super weird but i'm also super weird and so it gives us um we have opportunities to be weird together and it's just fun um so you find you find your weirdness people because you know what it's good for you number two I think, you know, Alex is a really, really good example of someone who needs support, right? Like he talks about his experience in school and life and Alex needs support. Inclusion needs support, you know, and, and you know, Alex needed an EA and inclusion needs EAs. And I, I, I it's so important to me that, you know, inclusion does require these things. Um, there's been an expectation that inclusion needs to happen without these things. And, and I know that we're kind of going through this crisis right now of not having enough supports, but uh, it, it's really important to know that we do need supports and we do need to advocate for those things, but there's also a lot of supports that 
we have been advocating for that aren't as optimal as they could be. And so, you know, how I kind of like to think about it was, you know, Alex talks about his experience in grade 11 and why it was so successful for him. Well, it was partly because he had an EA, but it wasn't just the EA. Alex has had many EAs in his lifetime. You know, what made it different for this particular person was that, you know, this person responded to what he needed. You know, he, Alex has so many abilities that were hiding behind his behavior when he was a student, and it was finding his strength and respond, responding to him, and his strengths is what helped him, um, not trying to change him. And, you know, that is what made that EA supportive because the people in themselves are not the supports, but what they do can be very supportive. And so, you know, there's a lot of people out there who do this intuitively and most of them are EAs. So if you don't know what to do, go talk to your educational assistants and your support teachers because, you know, this is also not something we have to figure out on our own. Um, I, when I was in Oliver, as I mentioned the other day, there was seven of us kind of all sitting around the table talking about this kid and being like, you know, like, you know, what is what is his strengths? What does he do? And trying to figure this out together because sometimes it takes a conversation. It takes more than one person um, because sometimes kids are puzzles. And But I think that's part of our role is to figure that out. But also to know that part of figuring out doesn't mean to change them. And um, I love I love that part about Alex because um, part of his advocacy is exactly that, is, is making sure that we, we're not losing him in the process. Um, the third takeaway, programs. This is a big one. It's a can of worms. The more people I talk to and the more that I'm reading, I'm, the what I'm learning more and more is that when you're actually looking at programs for kids with disabilities, whether it's in, in the world or in school, it's often not the program themselves that are the problem, but how they're created, supported, and how they operate. Um, if, if kids are sent in a place against their will or without choice or without supports or have no other options, like, that's, that's not inclusive, um, you know, and so part of you know, the work that we're trying to figure out here is, well, what is the criteria? Because if it's not space, how do we know when something's being being inclusive or not? Because I, I can think of, you know, just the story that I shared with you on here that Alex and I responded to, you know, this parent was describing a setting that was very inclusive to his son, but from the outside, it looked segregative. And so I think we need to somehow come together on what makes a setting inclusive or not. And so just some questions that Alex and I were kind of throwing around you know, like, is, is it, is it really a choice or is this setting or program a last resort or even like, you know, the, the only option? Cause that's not a choice either. I know there was a lot of kids that I've worked with in my past where it wasn't even a question whether they went into the program. And, and that's where I think it gets problematic is, you know, it, I have, it, when there's actually offered a choice, um, and you choose for your kid to be with their like peers, I, I don't think that we have a right as non-disabled people and as non as parents of non-disabled children to really make that choice. However, if those parents are in a situation where that's the only option that they will receive supports, well, that's not a choice either. So I think this is not a, this is not a black and white issue for sure, but I think choice has plays a role. Um, the other thing I think about programs is, are they purposeful? You know, like what's happening in the programs? Are kids growing? Are they learning? Are they receiving support in personal, social, and intellectual ways? Um, and who has a say in deciding what those things are? I think that there's a lot of conversations around the world right now about what knowledge is and what it means to differ from different perspectives. And who has a say? 
like who decides this and you know I see examples like um when I when I interviewed in the early podcast with Kim Ondrick she has meetings with her community members and her parents to say where do we want this program to go like it's very democratic and that's very very different than many programs that are already pre-created and and assume that kids kind of get streamed into these programs without first of all their buy-in but also their you know their say and so I think that that definitely plays a role role too like you know how are they developed and how do they exist but I think the the most important thing here is that I don't think it needs to be an either or I think actually it needs to not be an either or Um, all students whether they have disabilities or not I think need both of um, safe and supportive communities of both diversity and identity and we have no problem doing this with other kids and so I don't think it's I don't think it's bad that kids with disabilities hang out together or in classes together but I think we need to ask questions if that's the only place where they feel safe and supportive because that's not inclusive either so um, I think that this is you know a very fine balance of you know if there's no place where kids feel safe we need to find one and then we really need to grow that because I think you know the success that they see in Alex is because he feels so safe and supportive in so many communities and that's really what's been able to help him be so successful um and you know for a lot of kids there there really sometimes isn't any space and so start with one but make sure we grow because i think as soon as we stop moving we're just we're not being inclusive anymore number four community the disability community is a community and we cannot take that away without replacing it with something else Um, Otherwise, I think what's going to happen is we're going to find ourselves in a big mess of integration, which is exactly what schools are dealing with right now. And they're, you know, all of us are really trying to scramble to figure out what to do. If there is no place where kids feel safe and supported, it's okay to find a place, you know, and if that place happens to be with other kids with disabilities, but they're safe and other kids are safe, you know, just start there. But it doesn't have to be all day. It can be 10 minutes. But I, but I think what's happening is we're closing down these programs in fear that they're not inclusive. And we're ending ending up really, really isolating some kids in some situations where both kids and teachers don't know what to do. And so I know it's not that easy, but I think we need to really start looking at um, the kids and the, really the criteria for what makes inclusion possible. And again, it's the growth. It's the movement towards um, finding purposeful places over time. Number five, this one's my favorite. And this is the advice that Alex said he would give to his his younger self. And he says, you know, live to make your life better for yourself and for others. Advocate against injustice, speak up, especially when those around you don't have a voice. And I think that goes way beyond just the disability community and uh, connects to me and connects to many people I know. And so I think that that really is, you know, part of our role in in the world and in education is, you know, you can you can see injustices all the time, but it's when you when you say something that that makes it um, you start to start to draw on issues like equity and and fairness and all, all of the words that we throw around a lot. But, you know, we can't do this by ourselves. And so let's let's support each other. Whew. That was good. We covered a lot of stuff. Like that podcast could probably divide up into six future fo- podcasts. And so uh, thank you for listening, everybody. This this podcast wraps up our month, our theme of Inclusion 2.0. So stay tuned. Next week, we'll have an all new five more minutes video. And it's a good one. You're going to laugh. So um, have a good week. Stay healthy, everybody. And um, we'll see you. We'll see you soon.
Five More Minutes is produced by Shelley Moore and Paul Madsen. You can find Five More Minutes on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter, and on fivemoreminutes.com. See you next time!